Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another episode, and we're doing a series on money scripts. And more specifically, a deeper dive into the various types or categories of money scripts. So we've covered money avoidance in a previous episode. We've covered money worship. And today, we're going to take a look at money status. So again, we talked about in the first episode, and I think even in the money script, episode two, about the uh, KMSI-R, which is a very quick 10-15 minute assessment that will let you know kind of which of these four money categories. Again, there's money avoidance, money worship, money status, and then money vigilance will be our, our next one. And it uh, will give you somewhat of a, on a continuum of how big of a problem the money scripts in this particular category might be for you. So if you haven't done that, uh, check back with some other episodes on the uh, website, or if you go to the financialtherapypodcast.com, there may be a link in one of those money script exercises to get you to the uh, self-assessment. Nevertheless, as I talk about these, if you haven't done that, you might recognize yourself. And you may say there is no correlation with me. There's not a, a right or wrong money script category. There's not one that's better than another. And typically, we all have a little bit of every category in us. It's just typically there's one that's more dominant that uh, influences our money decisions more than the others. So, money status. Money status scripts. Basically, the overriding money script is that my net worth equals my self-worth. So this is a really big focus with somebody that has these money scripts. Money scripts that fit in the money status category are um, those that would, where somebody would say that people are only as successful as the amount of money they earn. So they have money scripts that would say, if I'm not earning much, if I'm in a low wage, if I'm in the lower a percentile of earners, then I am not successful. And I don't have a big net worth, therefore I'm not worth much. Really tying their being to the amount of money they have, the amount of money they earn. Another category of money script 
here for, for these folks is the thought that if something is not considered the best, it's not worth buying. So there's a real focus on status, right? These are the folks that want to buy a certain designer brand. If something of equal quality is available at Walmart, it's not going to be in their wardrobe. And the type of car they drive is really, really important. The label or the brand of wine that they drink is really, really important. So it needs to be considered the best. It doesn't necessarily need to be the best. A person can drink a phenomenal bottle of wine that might be rated a 95, which would be a pretty darn good rating. That might cost $25, and they might pay $200 for a bottle that's rated an 88. So it's not, it's really not the facts that are as important as the perception. Now, folks that have money status scripts typically are associated with, and this is not 100%, but typically somebody that has status scripts will be younger. They typically will be single. They often will have a lower education, meaning maybe no secondary education. They typically have lower incomes than average. And they also have a greater likelihood of having grown up in a lower socioeconomic class. So if you think about this, it can, uh, that can make a lot of sense that especially if you were raised poor and didn't have a lot, uh, life was uh, difficult, that could be a lot of motivation for a part of us to say, I'm not going to live my life this way at all and motivate us toward status. Also, the uh, money status scripts have been found to be predictive. What are they predictive of? People that have money status scripts tend to have compulsive buying disorder. So they can uh, tend to overbuy, they can tend to shop, they can tend to maybe not be as disciplined when they go to, the, to a store. This is more of a, a tendency. They can uh, have uh, a greater chance of having gambling disorder. Why that? Well, it could be with the perception, the prestige of gambling, of uh, being perceived as a high roller, being perceived that there's a projection of status maybe on a gambler. Another one that's predictive is financial dependence. The uh, people that have these scripts can tend to be dependent upon fill in the blank. The biggest one is often parents. Why would dependence be predictive? It could be that someone who has money status is often overspending, compulsive buying disorder, on things that might not be a great value and don't have a lot of other discipline in their life to save money as such. So 
that can uh, they can end up actually without money, without reserves, with a lot of nice stuff, but uh, needing to be dependent on others. I've seen this in another way, and I think this person had fell into this category. A young professional woman, and she made a really good salary. And she had the best of everything. But she wasn't an overspender. She wasn't, um, didn't have high credit card debt or anything like that, but just didn't have savings. And in fact, I've worked with several clients like this. When we uh, really traced back the origins, the money script, in the cases I've seen, it's come from when their savings, when they were a saver as a five-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, uh, disappeared. And they, in one case, their, their parents took all of their savings to help bail a sibling, keep him out of jail, I think, bail, literally bail him. Another one lost it when their parents went bankrupt. Now, the child had no idea that the parents had gone bankrupt, just that. Uh, his money that he had saved was absolutely gone. And so from this, as kids, they developed the story that you'd better not save because the money will disappear. Another thing that predictive of this particular category is financial infidelity. Financial infidelity, I don't think I've talked about so far in the uh, this series, but it's uh, any it's keeping secrets from a partner, keeping secrets from somebody very, very close to you, usually a partner. And it's feeling shame. Okay, why will we keep secrets? Well, probably we are feeling shame about giving money, or receiving money, earning money, spending money, borrowing money, or lending money. One of those six areas is typically there's some shame associated with that. So, folks with these scripts tend to fall into those four categories more than not. So, now, here's something interesting is, um, although as a category, they score lower in the uh, lowest income brackets, individuals in the very top tier of wealth in the United States, which would be higher than the mass affluent, right? You have uh, maybe poor, working poor, middle class. You could have upper middle class, maybe then affluent and then you can have the really wealthy or the ultra wealthy. So folks in those top tiers tend to score significantly higher in the area of money status than most of the intermediate, intermediate categories or tiers. So that suggests, according to the research by uh, Dr. Brad Klotz, that there's a connection between self-worth and net worth that can motivate people to reach those highest tiers of income and wealth. Because my self-worth is equal to my net worth. And if, for example, uh, 
I'm going to get ahead of myself, but workaholism is associated with this particular money script category. So that can make sense that a lot of that spending can go toward money status. So let's look at some tips and again uh, giving uh, gratitude and credit to Dr. Brad Klontz that um, did a lot of the research in this uh, particular area for digging all this out and uh, coming up with some ideas for folks. You know, it, it's pretty clear that our society really underscores the uh, money scripts in this category, that um, financial status and social standing are often very equal. Now, not in every case, but uh, there is a, a great emphasis put on this. So it's really normal to be attracted to the latest and greatest things, and it's the latest and greatest things that typically have the status, being the first kid on the block to have a new toy. You could start thinking that uh, maybe I'm shaming people for wanting the latest and greatest, and maybe it's wrong to uh, want want things that are perceived to be the best or are, actually are the very best or that have status. I think it's pretty normal to want to be successful. I think it can be normal to be attracted to the latest and greatest. Um, sometimes I've been an early adapter or adopter of things. I believe I had the first cell phone in Rapid City, South Dakota. That was pretty cool. If I remember right, gee, I'm trying to remember. You know, that had to be in the early 70s or mid-70s. I could be off on that. But I think the cost back then was like $1,600. Now, you know, it's not so different today. We spend dollars $1,200 on the best cell phone or smartphone. But we're talking, what, 45 years ago? <laughs> I'd have to get my inflation calculator out to, uh, to do the math on that. But I'll bet it's pretty close to maybe being a $5,000 item today. So, uh, but I was in the real estate business and made complete sense, but I did have the latest and greatest. And then there's other times where I've just been too fearful to go with the latest and greatest and give it time to develop. So I'm certainly not holding myself personally above uh, this, these types of thoughts and, and desires. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have my particular money scripts in front of me. I know money vigilant is my top category. But I, I'm thinking money status might be my second category. Maybe I'll check that out and let you know next time. So here's the, so here's the issue. It's not having these desires that is shameful or wrong whatsoever. It's when these desires are left unexamined. It's when we 
haven't looked at the money scripts. It's when they are operating 24-7 in our subconscious that they can lead to detrimental financial outcomes. So this is what we want to do, and this is so important in financial health, is raising our awareness to what we've never been aware of before. All right? So uh, the bottom line is you are not your net worth. You as a person, your being is not predicated on your net worth. My net worth is an objective fact of what I have. It's uh, a part of my financial uh, reality and uh, my financial assets, but it doesn't have to define at my core who I am. And this can be really, really difficult to separate this. It's so common to equate what we do with self-worth or who we are. And I know that this is something I have struggled with through my life of equating my self-worth with my net worth. There is no question about that. So <laughs> there's not a one and done fix for this, right? Like anything, it takes time. It takes focus. It takes a lot of interior work. But here are some things maybe that you could start to put into place to get a handle on this particular money script category. The first uh, suggestion is to slow down. Okay, we're talking about becoming aware. I think one thing that can be a great uh, help to everybody when we start doing our money work is to establish a meditation practice. When uh, Dr. Ted Klontz and I used to do the um, healing money issues at OnSite, uh, we would weave in meditation probably at least three times a day. And we'd always end a meditation with, so what does this have to do with money? And it has a lot to do with money because we want to become aware, aware of the money scripts, aware of the thoughts, aware of the emotions that are coming up around money. And this is a first big step of starting to change our relationship and our behaviors with money. So that's one of the first things that we can do. There's a lot written on meditation and maybe maybe I'll do a podcast on meditation I think that could be helpful because we're not talking about anything that's religious we're talking about becoming aware slowing down the mind and becoming aware of thoughts and especially emotions and we can start taking this practice into when we are making purchases or we are in the process of spending money okay it's slowing us down. So the second thing then is to start to use these um, tools, meditation tools, learning to slow down, learning to be aware of uh, thoughts and emotions. And 
ask ourselves these questions when we are considering a purchase. And maybe it would be helpful to write these down, pull them out, maybe have them on something beside your, your computer. There's a lot of different ways to do this. But ask yourself, why am I buying this item? Why am I buying this item? How am I going to feel buying this item? What does it do for me emotionally? And remember, feelings are not a thought. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel that I, this, this mode of up, 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 up. That's not a feeling, that's a statement, that's a thought. A feeling is one word. What does it do for me emotionally? And what's the feeling? What's the feeling? Uh, happy, excited, fulfilled. And the feeling could even be uh, that it helps me to feel less fearful or less sad. On, say, a more light feeling, ask yourself, well, how long will this feeling last? And oftentimes you'll see a pattern, you know. In the process of acquiring, it can just be a rush of adrenaline and excitement and aliveness. It makes me feel alive. But how long does that feeling last? Usually there's a period of time that maybe that feeling goes away, especially the more intense it is at the beginning. I think the, the chances are it's going to fall off. Of course, ask yourself, how am I going to pay for this item? Is it cash? Do I have the money in the checking account? Is it going to be on the credit card? And then ask yourself, give yourself some space. How am I going to feel about this purchase 24 hours from now? One week from now, one month from now, a year from now. So if you can slow yourself down to ask those questions, you may go ahead and purchase the item, or you may take a pause. And that just might be enough to kind of uh, help get out of the habitual or the, the rush of buying. And oftentimes behind this rush of buying is we're medicating difficult emotions. Sadness, fear, guilt, shame. So pay attention to those. So as you're doing this, you can kind of test for any flaws in your logic. Like you can look for thoughts that might be, well, buying this item is going to make me appear impressive or cool. Well, dig down on those. Why? What's the fear? What's the fear if I don't appear impressive? If I am not cool? Well, then people will reject me. What's the fear behind being rejected? That I'll be lonely. Okay. And as you do that, sometimes there's parts of you that will go, oh, wow. Huh. I really wasn't aware of this. That uh, logically, maybe that that isn't the truth. You know, when you're considering this, feel the emotions that you might experience with this person. Like I said, are you going to feel excitement? What does that feel like? Are you going to feel disappointment or shame? What does that feel like? And then as you're doing this, especially in the first days, weeks of doing this, 
What does that do to you? What is naming those emotions? What happens? Sometimes there is clarity that comes in, objectivity that comes in just naming the emotion. And you might ask yourself, is there a better way to, uh, that I can meet this emotional need? Another tip that you might do is to make time for accountability and awareness with somebody else. Determine a time and a place to discuss your monthly spending with uh, a partner because oftentimes there's not a, an awareness of the spending or there's maybe processing something that you want to buy. And it's really helpful if you can make this a habit. The goal here is to get your financial situation out into the open and to focus on this consciously, bring it to your awareness and be very purposeful about this. And I mentioned that workaholism is an issue. So one thing that it will be helpful is to focus on being, focus on well-being, focus on being healthy emotionally, physically, and financially. And how can you build more of that in your life? As we said, a person like this can be often a workaholic. And workaholism destroys relationships. So focusing on your love relationships, marriage, and partnerships, and relationships with kids, building more of that in, uh, can often result in, go in us seeing that the relationships that bring us more happiness than actually the things do. Now, this may not always work, but, but it could be something that begins to, to work. And taking time for yourself physically and, uh, you know, psychological help, going to a therapist, going to a financial therapist, and working on your being, your value, what you bring into the world that has nothing to do with the money that you have. So, and another way to frame that is financial success without uh, health, uh, without people that you love in your life, without fulfillment and clarity of purpose is often not a life worth living. I hope this has been uh, helpful, crammed a lot into our few minutes today, but uh, hopefully this has been of help to you. So take care and uh, we will visit next time. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.